welcome to the Summer Camp Society podcast. Each episode, we're joined with guests to go over and explore some wild ideas, find tangible takeaways, and mostly have fun. And we are back, baby. I am MJ here, and I am sitting virtually across the table from our very own research lead, Sammy, and Allison has joined us today. Today, we're going to be covering and discussing the results from our camp burnout survey that over 350 of you have taken. Sammy, how are you doing today? I am doing great. How about you, MJ? Doing, doing, you know, Allison, how are you? Uh, a funny thing that happened this morning in relation to this podcast is that Sammy messaged me and found something that Sammy wrote, I guess, before we did the survey. It was like, our hope is that a hundred people will fill this out. Look at that. <laughs> so our hope was met and so much more. Sammy, what are we up to today? Uh, last time I checked, we were up to 388. Oh my gosh. So close. So close to 400, but also Sammy started analyzing data. So maybe she doesn't want you to fill it out at this point, <laughs> but like gets uh, to 400. I'll go back through it again. Okay. But, okay. Yeah. So that's a call to action. Everyone, if you haven't filled it out, you can get us to 400. And love that we're plugging so early here. And if you know anybody who is a full-time summer camp professional, they can also take it. So send it to them. You know, this is going to be in the show notes. Sammy, how did this come about? Why did you decide to do a survey on burnout? That's a great question. So this all started, Allison forwarded me an email from a camp director who had reached out. Um, She was feeling super burnt out, real stressed about the job, and was curious if we had ever done a survey about working patterns for camp directors, thinking about like, how many hours a day are people working? How many days off are people getting? And was just really interested in comparing her own kind of shitty situation with the rest of the industry and seeing like, is this what everyone else is experiencing? Or am I in a not great spot? And like, that's why I'm feeling really burnt out. And I do have a quote from her email that I think is really good that I will gladly read y'all. She said, I think we're all painfully aware of the sacrifices of this work, but I also want to believe in a better way forward, a way that is sustainable, dignified, and allows people to truly want to invest in camping as a career for the long haul. So I'm interested to know if other camp slash orgs have found a better way. So yeah, Allison sent this my way and I met with her. We kind of chatted about what things would be helpful to know as a camp professional and like was thinking myself of what I thought would be interesting to know as someone who also works in the industry and kind of decided to push this conversation a little bit further and make it a little bit more research-based by also adding a burnout measure to it and be able to see like do any of these things that we're asking about like how many hours a day you're working how many full-time staff do you have do any of those correlate with how burnt out people are feeling. Yeah. And we would love to give, if you're listening to this episode, I hope you are actually, I'm probably going to send it to the person who requested this survey. We don't want to put you on blast, but we appreciate you and your ideas so much. And I think this is a great example of like, we are doing this together because Sammy was not our research lead at the point that I got this email. Sammy had like advised us a little bit on the parenting survey. Sammy told us about her interest in research. And I got this email and I was like, you know what, people need us to actually dig into stuff a little bit more. And so Sammy's whole research lead position was 
created out of people saying there's a need for this. And so if you need something that you can't find, reach out to us. Yeah, I think this is something that's burnout, the parenting, there's things that are happening in our camp industry, similar to the parenting at camp survey that we are working to bring to light is this thing of like, we do need to talk about this. We are, I think, making hypothesis on how others are doing, or we learn from two or three other camps about what they're doing and take that as like what the truth is. And now with this, you know, 388 responses is a lot. What does that mean for the data that we're getting? Is it meaningful? I think as Allison sharing here, like, I don't think that person is alone. I think we're going to see that in this data here. They're not alone in this. And I think it's just kind of sharing that this is happening and maybe find some ways forward with it. Similar to the parenting one of like, what are those tips? What are those awesome golf cart seats that we can do? So Sammy, you shared, we have almost 400 responses. What does that mean in terms of how genuine or like, I don't know science very well, quote unquote, good is the info that we have from this. So we have 388 responses as of recording this pod, which is freaking massive. Like Allison already plugged, especially like maybe a hundred tops. So this is massive. I think it really speaks to how people are feeling like that the person who kind of requested this is definitely not alone because people really want to share this information. People know it's an issue and they're willing to take the few minutes to fill this survey out. The survey was all full-time camp professionals. The goal was people who had worked like the last two years as full-time. And then in our data, we can kind of see like the question that filters it is like, did you work full-time this past summer? Do you, Did you work full-time this past summer but have since quit? Or does that not apply to you? And so we're kind of able to filter our results based on those answers. Um, but a lot of this stuff overall, since there's just such variation in the different places people are coming from, kind of controls for those different factors. Yeah, our participants come from like a huge range of backgrounds. And with having nearly 400 responses means that we're covering a lot of ground. We've got the ability to generalize data far more than we could. This is like on the level of like surveys that ACA Nationals does. When they're communicating about those results, it's very much like this is what we're finding about the camp industry as a whole. And so I think that these results are on the level that we can generalize them to say that this is the experience that a lot of full-time staff are having. And I think too, I want to say on that, that a lot of times day camps feel left out of just conversations in general. And I get it. And I'm sorry that it happens. And this one was like, it's pretty even Sammy, or there's at least there's a significant number of both day and overnight camps. So day camps are not left out of this one by any means. And day camps, like the results were really similar between day and overnight camps, which I think is also a I don't say a cool thing to know about day camps, but I think it really speaks to like a lot of day camp people or like overnight camp people don't think that day camps are a real camp. And there's that kind of stigma with that. And I think that this really shows like their job is just as hard, maybe sometimes harder than running an overnight camp. And it is definitely on par and has the same levels of burnout. And so, yeah, I think it's like, important for them to know that this is not just an overnight camp problem. 
Sammy, before we jump into what you learned, I say Sammy learned because she's the one that's been gathering this data. She's the one that's been pulling the analysis and all that. I'm just here to bring us through the conversation. Is there any research on camps and burnout before we did this study? Is there anything out there? Yeah, there's very little out there. There's a handful of papers that exist about seasonal staff burnout, but not a whole lot on the topic of full-time staff burnout. There's one person who wrote her dissertation on this. And then like one paper mostly focused on medical staff at camps and not like program operations staff. Uh, The majority of our respondents were. The bulk of people who took our survey were camp directors or program directors. We did have a couple of like, or a good handful of executive directors and then admin staff, board members, about people who are working in camp full time, um, where this other paper that does exist was really focused on medical staff. So kind of different, different demographic and much more in line with like the conversations around nurse burnout and doctor burnout, especially with the pandemic. But yeah, there's very, very little out there. Sammy is paving the way for research for camp professionals, everybody. Allison, do you have any questions before we dive in here? No. I'm ready to dive in. I'm excited about it. I think that this is so cool. There's so much potential. And if you are feeling good about this, I guess I want to give like a disclaimer. If if you are feeling like you're not burnout, you'd probably need to listen to this to see how the people around you are feeling. And if you're like, well, everyone at our our place is fine. I think there's still some things that can trickle down to your um, seasonal staff that we'll talk about here. So it's it's worth hanging with us. Sammy, what what did you find? I think I've kind of like sorted this stuff into two buckets, like the factors that seem to correlate with burnout. The fun thing about a survey is that you can't say things caused it. So you like, because of the survey results, this wasn't an experiment. We didn't say like, you have to work at a camp that has 10 full-time staff and you have to work at one with 20 and we're going to see who's more burnt out at the end of the summer. It's not an experiment. We can't prove that anything caused it, but we can look at like what correlates. There's my staff's nerdiness for you, but want to put that disclaimer in here. But so with the different factors that did correlate with burnout, there were ones that are things that we can control and one in a handful that were things that we cannot control. So in this kind of bucket of things that we can't control was generation was correlated with burnout score with baby boomers having significantly lower burnout scores than the rest of the people who took the survey. Between genders, there was a big difference in burnout score with male respondents having significantly lower burnout scores than female and non-binary respondents. And for those that identify as a member of the LGBTQ plus community, they all experienced like on average higher burnout than those that did not identify as a member of that community. So those are kind of some of those demographic factors that seem to align with burnout. Yeah. Sammy, did we did we ask about race and did that not have any correlation? It did not. We did ask about race and there was no correlation. Uh, our data was pretty heavily white, which is fairly in line with other camp research. I think kind of begs the question, like, is it that our research isn't accessible to the people of color working in camp or is this what the demographics of the camp industry look like and 
which is a whole other conversation to have and problem with the industry. Um, yeah, we can't cover all of that today. I yeah, <laughs> I am not the person to have that conversation. But yeah, I think there wasn't any like significant correlation there. So yeah, definitely think that's an area that needs more investigation, but nothing from our survey. And just to kind of make sure that I am understanding this is that you're saying that our our data that was collected here skews more towards a white identity and that also maybe be because of the fact that majority of camp professionals are also white. So it the data that we have could reflect the population of camp professionals and their racial identity. That is my guess. Okay. I, yeah, I don't have the answer to that question, but I would love to. Okay. Yeah. I think it needs further research. I think there's definitely camps that we are not reaching and accessible is it. And like, we know that it's a problem. I know at least that there's a problem in this industry. Yeah, I think it's like, I mean, reflected in any like full-time camp professional space you go into. And so, yeah, whole topic for another day and another pod. Sammy, what else did we learn? Yeah. So we asked a lot of factors about a lot of questions about people's work situation, um, both their role in the summer and then their like experience with their organization throughout the rest of the year. So in terms of some of the factors that correlated with burnout that we can control, a lot of these are things to do with our organizations, um, the work structure, the number of people we're working with. Um, so a handful of these, this is a much longer list and things that we cannot control, which is great. Um, things like having more full-time staff, having the ability and feeling comfortable taking time off during the summer, which was like a very alarmingly small percentage of camp professionals that felt comfortable and had the ability to take time off during the summer, which is a whole other conversation. Being able to maintain relationships with friends and family during the camp season. I think this is the, this is the statistic that Allison and I have talked about a lot that's really kind of hit us and made us think about a lot of the topics that we talk about with working in camp, like our relationships with our coworkers and with our seasonal staff and the fact that in the summer we're super isolated from our friends and family and like out of almost 400 responses like six people said that they strongly agreed that they could keep up relationships with their friends and family which is not great but yeah and a couple other factors that seem to correlate with burnout score were satisfaction with your compensation being able to afford housing near your camp feeling respected by your supervisor having a supervisor who is supportive of work flexibility and then things like having a sense of purpose being proud of the organization that you work for and feeling comfortable being yourself at work and those three all had like very positively skewed scores which was also nice to see that uh, even though we're all kind of feeling burnt out people do love the work that they're doing and so uh, yeah lots of positive reflections on organizations on that question 
I think we are like spitting out a lot of statistics and I've heard them. So it's like easier for me to follow, but it's probably harder for MJ and for listeners to follow. And so I'm just thinking about, and I think about, I want to go back to some of them. And also I want to acknowledge that Sammy's job as a researcher is probably actually it might be to like think about or guess or hypothesize the why, but my job as someone to make this podcast spicy is definitely to think about the why, right? Like that's like why we're talking about it and not just doing a report, which we will do a report eventually. And so I want to dig a little bit like why we think these things might matter. And it's just the three of us talking and the people that we've talked to, but it's to clarify, like we don't have the answers, but like I want to do a little bit of guesswork here. But before we do that, that is, I'm going to go back to um, the very first one that you said when you said that generational things are differences and that baby boomers feel a lot of burnout. And my brain first went to, well, baby boomers are older. They've been in the industry longer. I wonder if they have like higher level positions that people at higher level positions feel more burnout. And then I thought to myself, oh, Sammy is so good. She actually asked about that. So what's the correlation with higher positions and burnout? Is that it? No, there was no like correlation between position type and burnout. So which was surprising to me as well. I think that it may have to do with just the fact that like this is a very intersectional question as well and so maybe it's that like certain people in executive roles that have other you know experiences or the type of camp they work at or their age the fact that maybe like whether or not they're a parent things like that might impact it as well like there's a lot of factors that go into it but position on its own was not did not have any correlation with burnout. Okay, so then why are boomers not burned out? I think I, I was actually on a webinar with uh, Mandy Baker, who does lamp research and does some research earlier, and she was talking, and we love Mandy, um, and we are all, this industry should be grateful for her. Um, and she was talking about just how generations have different values. And I think that hard work being ingrained as part of your personality and a part of your whole being is more associated with boomers. And I think that that is, it's, I don't think that necessarily it's something for us to like really crap on them for because it's like their values and it's not something of them to expect the same out of us because it's not a shared value. And I think the more that we like, and maybe that goes for a multitude of these things, not just generations. I don't know. But I think that it, if our values are different, we have to like hear about each other's values and respect each other's values and that we can't force values on people. So I, don't know, I think maybe it's their values. I think that makes sense in my mind. I'm thinking about like, like my dad is not a baby boomer, but like in that older generation of like the the stories about working in the factory and the long hours. And a lot of it was like for the stories that I hear is like, the you don't got to like it. You just got to do it. And like, there's that different value of like, what is like a good job well done. I don't know if this fully comes back, but that is something that I think about, especially like with the older people in my family, like sharing their experiences and like, it's not like it was back in my day, no hating on the back in the day. But I have never worked in a factory. So take that how you will. 
Two thoughts. And these are very like speculative hypotheses E. But one thought is just I feel like especially like millennials and Gen Z, there's a lot more conversations about mental health and a lot more like acknowledgement of those things. Whereas like, I feel like older generations like just feel like, oh, you're supposed to push through that. Like they don't necessarily prioritize that or like have just been doing this for so long that they think that's a normal way of life. And like, where are like, I'm speaking as a millennial, but like we are not, we as a whole, like don't want it to be like this and like are willing to push back on that. I also feel like that's like a pretty cyclical generational thing where like the younger generations are pushing back on what the older generations are doing. And so this is something that it seems like millennials are pushing back against in a lot of fields too. The other thought that I have is that like the younger generations are a lot closer in age to like the seasonal staff and younger staff. And there's just so much conversation about like mental health and burnout when it comes to our seasonal staff and like the mental health issues we're seeing with our campers. And it just feels like such a hot topic of conversation. And so I wonder if pure speculation of like, if as younger camp professionals, we are closer to our seasonal staff and like campers ages. And so we're relating more to that and feeling that more. And if that's contributing at all. That actually reminds me too of something else that Mandy said. Dang, she's on it, huh? Um, she talked about the emotional load at camp. And I think I'm using this phrase correctly here, but uh, if a seasonal staff has like a big life problem or a problem at camp or like any problem, I think that they are more likely to go to someone closer to their age than to someone that they feel like they can't relate to as much, which is again, no one's fault. It just is what it is. So younger staff, are probably younger year round full-time staff are probably taking on more of that seasonal staff download within camp and outside of camp than older generations are. And that's hard. Like I, I've had staff come and ask me for a pregnancy test. Sure. Here's one. You're like you're not going to go ask the 60 year old director for a pregnancy test. Probably. Um, that makes me the mental load side of this or like carrying other people's burdens kind of makes me think about like the accessibility of those people. And so maybe that's already debunked because as Sammy shared, the position didn't change the like level of burnout, but I'm thinking about like the accessibility to that younger person that maybe is a newer counselor or, or newer leadership member versus your executive director that maybe sits in on more office meetings or is doing tours. So like they're not able to be as present to be able to take on that mental load. Whereas you as a camp director, maybe at waterfront and your counselors are able to come up to you and, and share things that are going on. It's my hypothesis. I'm not a scientist. It seems like people are more burnt out like earlier in their career. And this survey does not capture people who quit. And so the boomers may be less burnt out because they are like the ones that still work in this and the ones that burnt out somewhere along the way have left the industry. Yeah. Which I think may just skew the data purely based on just like the fact that people who burnt out probably did, you know, like this is the way camp is, I say in quotes. 
this is the way it's been for a while. And so if these people weren't, you know, if when they started 40 years ago, burnt out, they quit and they have found a new career. And so like, this doesn't capture those people. And so that could be why it looks like boomers have a lot lower burnout because they're the ones that have survived. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I'm trying to find like, I can't remember how like years worked in camp correlated. So I'm trying to pull that up. Okay. Sweet. And I think, have we talked about in general, like just how burnout people are? And you compared it to some other industries. And so I want us to dig into that after you confirm that for us. Yeah. So first of all, there was like no correlation between number of years someone has worked in camp versus how burnt out they are, which is interesting. I don't have a great answer for why that is, but yeah. But it turns out overall burnout levels, to your question on that, yeah, people are really freaking burnt out. Like, and I haven't fully analyzed this and compared it, but it like, we are skewing more towards burnout than like the same survey given to like medical professionals. And I feel like that's an area, but then medical professionals is an area we talk about burnout a lot. And there are a lot more, like a much higher percentage of medical professionals. This is not like a statistically significant test. I have not done that yet, but um, it's like, 4.5% of the people who took the survey out of 380 something people said that they had no symptoms of burnout. So it's a pretty low number. We did the survey launched like end of October. So we're a little ways out from the camp season. So it's not like we did this like the last day of camp when everyone's feeling like real toasted from the summer, which is actually something that someone said to me at the retreat was that they appreciated that this came out with like just enough time that they had had the ability to like reflect and have perspective on the summer, but not too late in the game that they were like, I'm fine. I can't wait for next summer. Um, like that it felt like it came at the right time for them to still kind of be feeling both passionate enough about this, to like take the time to fill it out. Um, and like, really want that change and also like not right after the season when they were too burnt out to even want to look at a survey. Uh, but yeah, everyone, like 10% of people rated their burnout of five, which is like, I feel completely burnt out. I'm at the like point where I'm five, in need of right? changes. Yeah. Five out of five. Yeah. 10% yeah, and it's like a lot. A, yeah. Yeah. It, people are really burnt out. Uh, like the majority of people we're either at a two or a three out of five. So like I'm fe like some symptoms of burnout, which is a lot. So it sounds like two, I want to drill into that. So you, people are saying a two out of three. And so the majority of people are feeling some type of burnout, but overall it doesn't seem like we're, we're, at, we're severely burnt out. It's like the number of burnout people is high, but the burnout number maybe is not as high as you might think. I think it's a good way to phrase this. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm trying to think of, where it's like those that are burnt out are really burnt out, but there's a, it's like the concentrate, concentration of burnout. Nope. Like, 
Ideally, like this would be a bell curve. I've taken a lot of stats classes, so sometimes I'm not sure what is like common knowledge. Someone who doesn't know stats, bell curve was a good one for me. Bell curve is top, yeah. That was a good one. Let's talk about the bell curve. Yeah, you would expect this to be a bell curve. Like the lowest numbers would be like your ones and fives and then some more twos and fours and then the most number of threes and like ours skews to the right. So we are seeing more like the ones are really low and the fives are higher than that. So it's like at an angle. An angle bell curve. Okay, got it. It's like a wave coming and crashing down on all the burnt out people. Yeah. Wow. And so like the like the peak is at two, but like the average is a three. So like I so it's skewed. Uh, so and the likely the likelihood of us getting a visual of this in in coming future is probably high as well for those that are visual learners. Yeah. Great. Great, great, great. Yeah, we can do that. Thanks. Allison, what else do you want to know? You wanted to talk a little bit more about the whys of the factors. Is that something you want to go back to? Well, I think for the sake of time, like we, we got into it to some of them a little bit. And at the end of the day, we, we don't know. But I think what I, I'm always, I always like to tell people that like Jack comes in and gives these big ideas. And then I come in and I'm like, so what do we do with that? So let me do my, so what do we do with that now? So we have like these, the things Sammy mentioned earlier that are like, they help control burnout, right? And I know you talked about like, paying people adequately, making people feel like they belong, giving them opportunities to connect with friends. Can we go through those a little bit slower and like talk about how that change might actually look at your camp? So we asked specifically about three benefits that we were curious if those would correlate with burnout. So um, those three were compensation time, uh, so getting extra time off, after the summer season to compensate for like the longer hours. So I want to kind of pause and talk about them one by one. Sorry to cut you off, but I think some people like I was surprised in the survey, but I may, I don't know if you were too, like some people don't receive any of these benefits and I'm not sure that they even know that they exist. So when we say comp time off or extra time off the end of the summer, there are camps out there who do what a lot of people refer to as comp time. I believe comp time is short for compensatory time and they look at the number of hours you're working during a summer this is extra common in overnight camp though it is day camps do work more than 40 hours a week too so you also need it but you look at the number of hours you work and you say ah you really like should get two weeks off after the camp season to help make up for those extra hours you work because especially if you're salaried you don't get extra compensation for that so when sammy's talking about this comp time or extra days off that's what we mean by that. And we mean it's happening. How many, do you know how many people are get said that they get comp time or extra days off? Allison, you're saying like, what can we actually do about this? And I do think that there is that time of like right after camp. I'm also thinking about like other times where people are scared to take that time off. Like I know my first camp job, I felt really bad because I was like, camp doesn't end when the campers go home. And so like, what does that look like? I also think that there's like, has to be like office solidarity in this, like the whole office needs to close. You know, if you see that your boss isn't taking time off, are you going to feel comfortable taking that time off? You know, is there a, I know, I feel like I've seen it a few times. I'm in Wisconsin camps right now. And when we were looking at new sites, 
we, I was getting out of office emails in September from a lot of Jewish camps because they were taking the whole month off to reflect, have gratitude and rest. And another thing that we do is after a weekend uh, event. So if it's a, a winter weekend or year round program that we present or put on for our campers, we automatically get those days off in the coming week. So when I worked a kickoff on a Saturday, I got Monday off. When I worked Saturday, Sunday overnight program, I got Monday, Tuesday off just to go ahead and supplement that time. Like you said, that calm time that I accrued. So Sam, I do want to, I'm going to pass it to Allison here. And then Sammy will come back with the stats that she found. Yeah. And it's not even, it doesn't even have to be like full days, right? Like when I first started in camping, they didn't think that camp was enough to justify a full-time year round job. (laughs) Funny. And I also was in charge of youth sports. You couldn't pay me enough to do that. If you do youth sports, shout out, you have a tough job. And so that meant I'd be at the field until like eight o'clock some nights. And so that's like three-ish extra hours. So I wouldn't come in until 11 o'clock the next morning. And so full days or hours here and there, whatever. And you said some camps close. We asked separately about that. So Sammy has both of the information. Do you do comp time slash PTO, extra PTO? Do you do company closures? Let's find out, Sammy. Yeah, I also just want to highlight, I think that it's interesting because a lot of camps are doing these things. So it is possible. And I feel like there were a lot of like free response things that were like, oh, this is just how camp is like, and I don't think it has to be because camps are doing these things and they are helpful. And people are saying like that this is helpful to them. So yeah, we asked about that comp time. The question specifically said, provided additional PTO or comp time to compensate for longer summer hours. And the like a little over half say that they are provided with that, like 214 people. To me, if you're not getting that benefit, this there is no better evidence or, or better push for you to go take this information. And we'll have it in a nicer report eventually, but take this snippet of the podcast and go tell your boss, half of the people in camping are getting this this is a totally reasonable thing for me to get and I need it to not be burnt out. Here's the scores that prove that I will be less burnt out if we do this, just do it. And it just doesn't hurt people. And I think I've heard some argument too about like, well, we go right into retreat season. Well, if your boss listening to right now, don't. How much money is that next retreat making you? If you're going to make $5,000 off of a retreat group, $10,000 off of a retreat group, do you have to have it? And if you do, like, think about some other ways to generate revenue, honestly, because if $10,000 is worth the sanity and, and well-being of your employees to you, you're doing something wrong. Thinking about, like, the cost of onboarding a new staff member every two years is probably going to cost more than that 5000 10000 for that retreat where they could have just had the week off. Now that we've heard a little bit more about taking time off as a uh, singular person, what about all camp or all offices closing? Yeah, there were a surprising number. I feel like it's a benefit that I've like heard people say has been really helpful in their organization. 110 people said that this is a benefit that's offered to them. And this was correlated directly with having lower burnout scores. So much so that like, the median for people who their company closes was a two and the median for people who doesn't was a three. So like the center of the data was like in a different bracket there, which I think is just interesting. Uh, But yeah, it was a pretty, pretty stark comparison there. Yeah. 
What about for extra PTO and time off? Is there a difference there? Or I guess there must be. You said it fell in this category. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. Uh, similarly, a statistically significant difference. Not quite as stark as that one. Like the median was both at three um, and the means aren't that far off. Um, sometimes like, especially with having a really big sample, you can have statistically significant results, but the like actual practical difference isn't as big. So you see much bigger practical difference for those that have the company closure as opposed to just having the extra PTO. And something I'm thinking here in these, it, first of all, if you're a boss and you can make this happen, just make it happen. But also having been a boss, I've been an executive director in a large Y association. I know that there are like Ys out there. There are JCAs out there. There are 4Hs. There are Girl Scout, a Girl Scout, Boy Scout, like all of these different things, like, like umbrella or churches, umbrella organizations where camp is not the only thing. And so it's really hard to push for these because they're like, well, the branch doesn't get this or well, the community team doesn't get this or well, like the, I was talking to someone like about how their like temple staff are treated the same way as their camp staff. And I hear that. And there's still a space for you if if you are the boss to advocate for it. And if you can't advocate for it, like probably shouldn't admit that it's on a podcast, but like, I will find a workaround. Like I don't need to go into UKG every time I want to give my employee comp time. Should I? HR would tell me I should, but who's going to find out and who like, am I okay dealing with the repercussions of that? You bet I am. So like, I'm going to do it. And, And that becomes harder with company closures though I have closed for a couple of days before and just not got anything, but you can advocate, you can make things happen more than you think that you can. Um, It makes me, you saying that about the conversation you held makes me think about how in a previous podcast with Jack and yourself and me was like um, talking about seasonal staff. And at the end of the day, like we're different employees, right? Like I'm the director. I, Maybe I don't get a an hour off every day and that's okay. Like my benefits don't have to be the same as my camp counselors because I'm not doing the same job as them. Or like my expectations may not be the same because it's a completely different expectation and job responsibility. So like maybe those that are working in overnight retreats that are two or three days, that's very different than nine weeks of camp. And, you know, if it's, I think it would be important to admit that as a person who gets to accept time off and closures. I think it's like, just interesting, like other camps are doing it. Like I work for a camp that's part of a larger organization. Like we get time off and that's different. And like our leadership has advocated for that within the larger organization that our jobs look different and therefore our compensation for those and our benefits for those have to look different as well. I would guess based on that though, like if you are part of an organization, they do understand, like, I would guess that you're graded differently when it comes down to like HR grading stuff. I'm not the one to speak to about this, but I know grades are a thing. And if that is what people are so like set on, make some new ones for camp or make some new, like if you look at an employee handbook, it says full-time staff, part-time staff at large associations anyway. And you lump camp uh, camp counselors into part-time staff, though they're seasonal, whatever. You lump a lot of things, push for another category push for, I don't know what it's called, like ridiculously (laughs) overworked staff. I don't, that's not what it's called, obviously, but like 
there doesn't have to be just two categories. We can push for another category. And they're also like, again, having worked at an association, a large association, I know that like there are a ton of people who are not just camp who are working lots of hours. Like there are branch executive directors who unfortunately sometimes have to go open the branch and close the branch. And like they deserve this too. And so it's not specific to the camp industry that people should not have to work ridiculous hours, right? Just let people have time off is I think not only so like, yes, those that are listening or like sharing with their supervisors, like consider what that looks like for your team. And also like as the person who's listening to this, who is feeling burnt out or looking to advocate for your group of staff, like advocate for yourselves to have this time off and start that conversation. It's also by the time this drops, it's December. We're going to take some time off, most likely for the holidays. Can you come back in January and when you start setting up your summer plans and your calendar for things, can you go ahead and just add those weeks on there and not have to think about it again because it's already six months or five months out? So Sammy, what was another large or what was another category that we can control? MJ from the editing room here. We are going to call this part one of our part two podcast episode series of burnout at camp survey results. Please come back for our next episode where Sammy Allison and I talk more and more about tangible action items that you can do or you as either a staff member or a supervisor can do to better help your staff combat burnout. So thank you for listening and we can't wait to see you in part two. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Join us for the next episode for more big ideas, actionable takeaways, and lots of fun. Until then, check out our Instagram or the summercampsociety.com for free resources, including videos, training session, games, and more. 